This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Did you know that there is a formula for success? Did you know that there was a formula for success and excellence that it doesn't just happen? While some of us are born beautiful or born smart, I guess with a high IQ, whatever that means, true success, vast majority of people who are successful, there's a formula for it. And the reason why I bring this up, uh, I get all the time people email me and they say, you know, Karen, can you help me with my book? Or, you know, I want to be a writer. Can you give me some tips? And my response is always the same. First of all, I'm busy. No. <laughs> Write. The way to become a great writer is to write. Get up every day, write a page. Get up every day and write 500 words, write 1,000 words every single day. And soon you will see that you'll be a writer. Uh, when I started at the New York Daily News 1,000 years ago, I didn't consider myself a writer. As a matter of fact, I was very insecure about my writing. I would have so many writing books in my desk drawer because I, you know, I just didn't feel confident. And I remember when that clicked for me, and it was shortly after I, I wrote my first book. I didn't think I was a writer when I wrote my first book. I thought I was just following a format. Um, but that gave me my training wheels. But what I didn't consider was by the time I wrote my first book, which was in 1997, I think it was 1997, I Make My Own Rules with LL Cool J. I had been a writer, I'm putting up air quotes, for eight years, nine years. That writing every day, which I was doing for the New York Daily News, writing every day for eight years, I had probably put in more than 10,000 hours. And then the book put me over the top because that was 60,000 words. So there's m this is math. This is not a mystery. And when I got into this discussion on the air on Sirius about excellence and that there is, you know, you, you see people every day who say, you know, oh, I can do that. You know, they see somebody on TV and they say, oh, I can do that. I can do what Gail King did in that R. Kelly interview. Or I can do what, what, uh, what Don Lemon does every night, you know, because all you got to do is sit in front of a, a thing and read a teleprompter. I'm a good reader. Um, you are disrespecting somebody's craft. When you say I can just write, when I, and I don't even play around with that. And I put my time in, I got receipts for days, but I don't even put myself out there as a writer like a Toni Morrison, like a James Baldwin, like a Richard Wright, Zora Neale Hurston. I, I, I don't even do that. Because to me, if, if you, first of all, I think those people are gifted, <laughs> you know, but also, there's time put in, and you have to earn that. We're in a society right now that where mediocrity seems to be the, the level. That's the norm. And I reject that so wholeheartedly because I feel like so many of us are not reaching our full potential because mediocrity is the norm. So you don't push yourself, and you don't think you have to push yourself, particularly if you're young. You see so many young people, you know, who are insta-famous. They are influencers with millions of followers on Instagram, and they have TV shows, and they, you know, those are, those are anomalies. I, I tweeted out that the Kardashian model, and that's what I'm calling it, because, you know, they're famous. 
ironically, for being famous. They're not famous for actually having any kind of discernible skill, any kind of great intellect, any kind of great contribution to society. There's really nothing. And if you want to say fashion, give me a break. You know, they didn't establish big, big booties or anything else, big lips, and it's all fake. Right? And I'm not disrespecting them per se. I'm disrespecting us because we made them famous. We, not me and you, of course not. But society made Car the Kardashians famous because they let us off the hook. Because if, if the Kardashians could be famous for doing absolutely nothing, for being not remarkable in any way, then that means there's hope for me. But instead of saying, that, that doesn't represent us, we run to that because now you don't have to work. What that says is I don't really have to work at my craft. I can be a success overnight. And there are cases where you can point that out. But the vast majority of people who want to do something, who haven't put the work in, aren't doing it at a high level. We can point to a person here or there. You know, and I'm not going to name names because that's not the purpose of this. But, you know, just think, there's somebody right now on TV who's, who became famous on Instagram doing comedy, little one-minute bits, you know, and you're like, wow, I can do that. Let me open up an account and start doing that. And there may be a handful of people who are doing that. But that's not, that's not sustainable. They're never going to be Richard Pryor. They're never going to go down in history as being one of the greats. Because they're not going to be George Carlin because they didn't put their work in. And if we're talking about writers, they're people that have wild runaway bestsellers. Hell, Fifty Shades of Grey sold a lot of books. E.L. James will never go down in history as one of the greatest writers ever. I, I guarantee that. So you can be successful. But is that your only goal? So to me, I'm like, what, is, what, is, what, what are we doing here? I think the purpose of being on this earth is to find your purpose, right? And, if you, and how do you find your purpose if you never push yourself to get to a place because I don't have to? So let me just say, as, as I head into the other side of wisdom, and I never thought I would be here, I am really grateful and appreciative of all of the people that came before me who allowed me to make the mistakes that I made, but to get to a place where I can really, really appreciate time and energy and, and mistakes and learning from those mistakes. There's, there's some things you can never learn unless you make a mistake. There's some things you can never learn without time to be able to put perspective on. And, and nature tells us th these things. You don't get an oak tree overnight, do you? Do you plant a seed and tomorrow an oak tree, an oak, a mighty oak, or damn, bamboo? You're not planting a seed and getting a tree of anything. You're not planting a seed and getting a tree that bears fruit for years. I know this. I have a pear tree and an apple tree uh, that the squirrels keep eating. But the first year, I got nothing. The next year, I actually had a peach tree, bunch of peaches, little buddy bud peaches, and then the freaking squirrels came and got it. But there's a process to that. And, and you know what? The first year, the branches were too weak to actually hold the fruit. So, so it had to get stronger each year to be able to hold bigger and bigger fruit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like nature tells us what it is that we need to be doing, but somehow we kind of like, we're, we're unnatural. We are out of nature. We are out of order as people right now. And I, I, I don't expect anybody to, you know, to, to reject the Kardashians, the Kardashian model. And this is not really even about them. They're a microcosm of who we are as a, as a, as a society. 
and this is global, it's not just in America, where people want shortcuts to get to a place. But it's, it's, a, it's a false narrative, and it's, it's not ever going to make you what you're supposed to be. I think about Malcolm X, right? I think about him a lot, and I like him. I like him, and if you haven't read the autobiography of Malcolm X, you should. It should be, it's in the black canon. It should be in the world canon. Malcolm X ended up in jail um, when he was hanging out in the streets, pimping and doing all these crazy things, and, and, and he went into jail illiterate. He couldn't read. And there's a, there's a scene, uh, if you watch the Spike Lee movie, if you want to take the shortcut and not read, but you should do both, actually. Both are, are gems. Where, where Malcolm discovers the, the dictionary. And what sparked him, of course, was the breakdown of the word black versus the word white. But, but that was the thing that was highlighted. But what you miss is that Malcolm X read the dictionary every day because he wanted understanding. And we could argue, but I don't think you're going to get much of an argument that he's one of the most eloquent orators, processors, thinkers, thought provokers of our time, of any time. But he mastered the word. He mastered the word, right? And I think there's something to be said for that. Here's the other thing I want to say about Malcolm X. When he got out, and, and I, I, again, as effective as he was, when he got out of prison, I see a lot of times, because I'm in this space right now, you know, we have a lot of prison folk that we work with, people who have been formerly incarcerated. It's a mission of ours um, to, to get as many formerly incarcerated people voting and out and, 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 and empowered as possible because I think that, that the, 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 the honing of certain testicular and, and you know, internal fortitude in prison is unmatched. They come out damn near superheroes when they understand what, what they've been through. But Malcolm understood that, that power of sitting still, because sometimes some of us are running so fast and so far towards absolutely nothing, into the void, that we miss the lessons and we miss the training and we miss the, the things that we need that will make us what we need to be, that will give us our purpose, because we're so busy chasing. So sometimes, I, and I, you know, this prison industrial complex is slavery. But for some people, you know, if you find yourself in that situation or found yourself in that situation, l let it prune you. Let it work on you. Let that time, they say doing time, let that time work a thing because clearly something didn't work previously. And Malcolm X is a great example of somebody who let that time work a thing on him. He used that time wisely. I was uh, recently talking with Freeway, Freeway Ricky Ross, and he learned how to read as well in prison. That time he used, instead of lamenting this life sentence, he used that time to build his character and build his knowledge and build his arsenal of, of, of talents and skills. He, he let that time work a thing in him. I'm reminded of another person who um, I, I ended up interviewing. I don't want to say his name, but I, I had a conversation with him after he got out, and he seemed like he was unsettled because he felt like he was running out of time. He spent 12 years in jail, and he wanted to make up for lost time. But here's the thing about time. You can't make it up. It is what it is. Once it's gone, you can't make it up. So you might as well use the time that you have because it's fleeting, to build the best you you can be, right? So this guy, 
I had this kind of said, man, you, it's, it's if you are trying to make up for the 12 years you lost. And he said, yeah. And even how he talked, he was like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this because, you know, I, you know, I want it. And, and, and I look at him now and um, he's not very successful because the one lesson that he missed was that the thing that you should be working on is yourself. All of these so-called opportunities that you want to capture and capitalize on, you're not ready for them. And you weren't ready for them before you went into jail and you're not ready for them now that you're out because you never worked on yourself. That's the key to this. Process, time equals excellence and success. All right. One of the first books that I gave my students when I was teaching this publishing class was Outliers. And I didn't give them this book by Malcolm Gladwell because it was so well written. And, and it is, actually. Malcolm Gladwell is a fantastic writer. But it wasn't the writing that I wanted them to get. I wanted them to understand the process. Before we got into talking about books and publishing and, and the industry and all these other things, I wanted them to understand, understand some things about themselves. And in Malcolm Gladwell's Outlier, which the premise is there are outliers, but there really aren't outliers. All the outliers that you see come from years of experience and time put in and work. While we think of uh, Beyonce as an outlier, she, she's incredibly talented. But if you've ever watched Beyonce's work ethic, have you watched Beyonce behind the scenes? Have you done, have you watched any? This woman is incredible. She puts time in. She's a perfectionist. This is what she, you know, so, so like it doesn't just happen. She doesn't just happen to be in the position that she's in. I did a book with a guy named LL Cool J. I spent some time with him, and this man is a work beast. He put, t he, I mean, he works. His work ethic is ridiculous. And people, you know, don't see that. You just see the success. You look at Rock, who is the most successful right now. I think he, he uh, is the highest box office um, winner, I guess you could call it a winner. He, he makes more money than anybody else in Hollywood as a, as a box office star. But if you look at his work ethic, The Rock is not the most talented actor. We, the man may never win an Oscar, ever, okay? He's not a great thespian. What he is is a hard worker who understands process and time. And so I want to encourage you with that. And if you have time, uh, and you should make some time, read Outliers. But the biggest um, chapter for me, there, and there's a bunch of them, and he even gets personal with his own story and his mom. But there's a chapter on the Chinese, Chinese math and the rice patties. Now, I'm sure a lot of you listening to my voice, you probably believe this myth that Chinese people are good at math. Now, it's actually a fact that Chinese people are good at math, but they're not good at math because they're Chinese just because they're Chinese. It's not something in their DNA. It's not something in their genetic makeup or their brain waves that make them good at math. It's very practical, actually. And it goes back to what I was talking about, process and time. So in many Chinese um, cultures, in many Chinese provinces, um, they have rice paddy farms, right? The rice paddies. And the, the process of tending to a rice paddy is extremely complicated, and it's generational, right? So for thousands of years, the Chinese have been cultivating rice in these rice paddies. And to actually get a crop that is not ruined takes precision, takes time, mastery, which they have done. They don't use machines, uh, so you have to climb up into the mountains, and you every single day you have to tend to this rice paddy because any 
weed or what do you call it, weeble or anything that can get in there can ruin your whole crop, which means you don't eat. So they've been fastidious over generations. And this kind of very methodical work ethic tending to these rice patties have somehow lined up directly with math and how math is processed. But the other thing about the Chinese is very simple, their language. So for example, the number seven, we say seven, seven, two syllables, in the Chinese um, language is pronounced ki, one syllable. And as a matter of fact, most of their numbers are one syllable. So where we have 25, 3001, it'll be chi, pi, ki, you know, whatever. I don't speak Chinese and I don't want to be disrespectful, but you know, one syllable. Now, here's what you need to understand. The brain, the, ch the young brain in particular, is easier for children and people to learn numbers by memorization. And the least amount of syllables possible makes it uh, able for people to memorize more numbers. So for us, people who speak English, where the words 25 and 30,000 30, and 3,010 and 50 million and whatever, we could probably only memorize five numbers or 10 numbers. Whereas in the Chinese language, they can memorize three times more numbers or at least twice as many numbers. So in that, also how they logically count. So we say 11, which makes no sense. They say 10-1. 10-1 makes more sense than 11. Now we know what 11 is, but doesn't 10-1, 10-2, 10-3 makes a lot more sense than 13? So in their culture, they're able to process math better because their system works better. They're not smarter. So it's work and process, once again. And so I want to leave you with this. You know, if you want to do anything, if you want to write, you want to sing, you want to dance, you want to be a doctor, you have to be willing to put the work in. And you have to be patient with yourself because the beauty of that, and again, sitting here right now, I wouldn't trade being 20 for anything. I thought I could do anything and everything. You couldn't tell me anything. Looking back now, ooh, I would never trade that. Because what I missed is that there's nothing that can replace this time and this wisdom. So give yourself time to grow into the person you're gonna be. Give yourself time to learn things. Give yourself time to make mistakes. Read as much as you can learn as much as you can, sit at the feet of elders, let them pour into you, travel, ch challenge yourself, get out of your comfort zone, and be okay, be okay with failing. Pick yourself back up, figure out what that lesson was, go back out there and do it again, and be excellent. I don't want anybody listening to my voice to think that a Kardashian model is where we need to be as people. We can do way better than that. And think about how great society will be when we all make that commitment. So I want to leave you with that. I love you immensely. And this podcast was brought to you by Harney and Sons Teas. Go to harney.com slash Karen and get your tea on. I just got some matcha, some peach matcha in. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. I love you guys. I'll see you next time. Be excellent. Mm -hmm.